Please do turn with me tonight to 1 Timothy and chapter 4. And really our thoughts this evening are centred on verses 6, 7 and 8. Our subject tonight is disciplines of the godly. Godliness is not an accident. It's not something which is magicked and anointed upon us. No, Paul teaches Timothy here that we are to be active, we're to be engaged. Of course, there are so many distractions in the Christian life and a number are mentioned in this chapter. There are lies given that try to cause us to go off track. There are various heresies, those who forbid to marry in those days and some still do that today. And those who distract through other various means and there's examples given in verses 2 and 3. And of course Satan has many other devices. He wants to undermine the word of God. Anything he can do to undermine God's word, its authority, but also our desire for it, the frequency that we read it, the uh, times that we meditate upon it. These are all distractions and devices of Satan. So Paul is writing to his child in the faith. He calls him, my son in the faith. 1 Timothy 1 verse 2, this letter which is like a father speaking to his son. It's almost as though Timothy is sat down and dear Paul, his father in the faith, is going to teach him as a pastor, as a young believer, how he is to grow in godliness. And isn't that the objective for all of us? If you are in the faith, if you name the name of Christ, if Christ is within you, surely we don't want to stagnate. We want to grow in grace. We read in the book of Hebrews, Seek peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Holiness and godliness, two twin hallmarks of all true believers. What's the difference between holiness and godliness? Well, holiness is qualitative. It's something that we desire to have as an attribute. Of course, God is the only one that is holy. He is holy in absolute terms. But we desire to be holy, and that's qualitative. But godliness is directional, and it's active. <coughs> we are to be involved in godliness, and we'll look at these verses here. This doesn't come to us naturally. Even as believers, the, the day that we were saved, and we called on Christ, and he heard us, we were not sanctified immediately in our activity and thoughts and conduct. As I often say, legally, we were justified. Sin and its punishment and our guilt was taken away. But the work of making us more like Christ is ongoing. And that's what Paul is teaching here. There is no shortcut. There is no simple three-step method. There is no apostle living today that can anoint you with a special oil or anything of that description. No, 
This is to be an active, ongoing, objective and pursuit. What is godliness? Well, godliness is teaching and truth and doctrine that promotes holiness. Let's look here. Verse 6, he says to, to Timothy, If thou put the brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ, in remembrance of these things, what's the these things? all the distractions that he's just covered and the devices of Satan, then, Timothy, you will be a good minister of Christ. Well, that's what he's telling him to do and that's what I've got to do tonight. And how are we to do that? You'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ and you will nourish up in the words of the faith. How will you build up the brethren? How will you put them in remembrance of these things? Timothy, you're to do it with words of faith and of good doctrine. You see, what promotes godliness is truth and teaching. That's why the word of God is so important. We must be under it often. We must eat it. Do you remember Ezekiel was told to eat the word of God like a scroll? To literally put it down your throat that's our attitude to the word of God. We are to be nourished, literally fed by the word of God. Nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine whereunto thou hast attained. That's the method, Timothy. Well, we can describe godliness in another way. Godliness is our inner response to the things of God. We hear God's word. We read God's word. How do we respond? Godliness is responding to these things as God would have us to respond. Not to be indifferent, not that promotes holiness and godliness and to desire what God wants us to have in our lives. Well, it's an interesting term, godliness. We see it here in verse 7. And verse 8, in these two epistles, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, nine times the word godliness is mentioned. There's no other book in the Bible that mentions it more. It's a Pauline word. It's also mentioned by Peter. But this is the book in the Bible that deals in a practical way with godliness. Timothy, as a young man, don't be bashful don't be ashamed of your youth he says to Timothy but know the rather by your example by your testimony by your teaching by your conduct promote godliness my son in the faith what's godliness for do you know godliness promotes happiness blessing contentedness isn't that what we all desire in our life? Don't we want the blessing of God, the smile of God, his countenance as we've just sung? Don't we want that? Well, tonight is a Bible study then for all of us. Let's look then at our text. It says, verse 7, Refuse the old wives' tales. I think that's a bit harsh. The translation literally means stories, fables, not just told by 
elderly ladies, not to offend any with us tonight, just as easily told by men. It's literally refuse nonsense. Refuse the gibberish and nonsense that's peddled around, of which he's given him some examples. The sorts of things that says you can be godly like that. You can be godly with a special anointing. You can be godly and cut corners. No, it's not like that. Paul says to Timothy, well, instead, verse 7, and here's really the meat of our consideration, exercise thyself unto godliness. Rather is in italics, that means it's been added in to give the, the sense. You won't find it in the Greek. Exercise thyself unto godliness. That word exercise, it's the word from which we get gymnasium. It means to go to the gym. Not literally, because in the following verse, somewhat disparagingly, for those who like to go to the gym and run and do other things, it seems to suggest that bodily exercise is a waste of time. That's not what it says. It says bodily exercise is it's only a little useful. It's only a useful thing for a short time. If you go to the gym, the effect wears off in approximately seven days. It's just for time. Exercise is good. Physical things are needed. But it doesn't help you for eternity. It doesn't help your soul. It's only a little good. It only gives you a small profit, a small advantage, is what he's arguing. But he's saying instead, godliness. That's useful, profitable. It will give you a gain in every dimension of your life, in your family, in your work, in your walk, in your relationships, in every aspect of life, in time, and it says here, for eternity, for the life that now is, and for the life which is to come. So disciplines, literally training, what does that mean? The athlete picture. You don't run a marathon well without some training. You don't train for a week. It's an ongoing thing. You've got to be disciplined. If you go to your coach and you say, I've done exactly what the program says, but you go home and you have cream cakes and you do all sorts of things that you shouldn't be doing, you've cheated and you'll pay for it. And isn't it the same in the Christian life if we cut corners? If we try to cheat the Lord? If we cut short our times alone with him? Well then we're not really training and being disciplined. If we flip from one thing to the other, never settled, never quite focused on one thing, trying to have a finger in lots of different pies, that's not good. The Lord says here through Paul, you've got to exercise, you've got to be disciplined, you've got to train yourself in godliness. Well, that's not really what's taught nowadays. 
the majority of so-called evangelical Pentecostal charismatic churches, which is, let's face it, the majority of those who would call to be Bible believers would say there's a shortcut. You can just do it this way. Three simple steps. That's not what Paul is saying. Well, let me suggest a number of areas tonight. They're all very obvious. They're all really reminders. There's nothing here, I hope, that's novel. But let's look at them. The Puritans used to call this spiritual exercises. The word devotions is something we've used more recently. I quite like that term. Spiritual exercises. Are we involved? So that's our first point tonight. If we want to train, if we want to be disciplined and have the disciplines of a godly man, a godly woman, the first thing, obviously, is our devotional life. Do you know, to use a a poor illustration, the whole pack of cards comes tumbling down if you take out the bottom one, like a game of Jenga. If you take out the bottom row in its entirety, the whole thing will fall down and the Christian life will have no growth, no progress, no smile of God, no godliness. Without first, we have an active, regular, experiential, as the Puritans called it, devotional life. One that's not theory, one that's not academic, but it's lived, it's experienced. Take time to be holy. Speak oft with the Lord. Abide in him always. And feed on his word, says our hymn. Do you know there's a direct relationship? We all know this. If we've had that time of spiritual exercises with the Lord, and perhaps we've struggled we found praying difficult. we found reading the word of God hard. But we've battled. And we've asked the Lord for help. And we've told him our struggles and then he draws near in a particular way and refreshes our soul. How often we know that's the time. We know that closeness to the Lord. Paul says to Timothy, godliness is profitable unto all things when we delight in the law of the Lord and we meditate on it, what is it? Day and night. Do you wake up in the night, (coughs) half conscious? What comes to your mind? Do you meditate on the law of the Lord day and night? Well, there's another aspect we know The devotional life consists of reading God's word, meditating on it. It consists of prayer, fervent, sincere, genuine prayer. It doesn't have to be elaborate, it doesn't have to be long, but it has to be heartfelt. But you know there's another aspect of the devotional life that we often leave out. Self-examination. Do we often enough... Not every day, not every hour of the day, that's introspection. And that can be very dangerous. But do we often enough take stock, do an inventory 
and say, how are we doing in the Christian life? What's going wrong? What's going right? What do I need to do more of? What do I need to do less of? Where am I falling? Self-examination. That's spiritual exercise. The athlete does that. Am I training too much on this piece of apparatus and not enough on that? Am I not resting enough or am I not sleeping enough? Is my nutrition not right? So in the Christian life and in our spiritual exercises, we should be engaged in, from time to time, spiritual examination. Just look down at what Paul says to Timothy down in verse 12. He's giving some examples. He's telling Timothy to be an example, or as the New Testament says, an ensample to the believers in word, your speech, in conversation, your manner of life, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. There's so much to think about. Am I devoting enough time to those things? Reading, good books, not magazines, not your feed online all the time, but the Word of God and books that help us to understand the Word of God. Paul is telling, he's encouraging, he's saying, keep your devotional spiritual exercises. Let's ask some questions. When we're self-examining, what do I love the most? What have I spent most time on? Where do my affections lie? Am I being consistent? Am I mostly concerned about time or eternity? Am I putting my resources and energies behind the things of the kingdom of God or this passing world? Well... This involves the mind, it involves the heart. The mind must be fed with good words, as we've considered, good doctrine. It must be nourished, and then from our mind these things will flow to our heart. The mind has to be convinced, and then the heart and our affections will be focused upon the things that Christ loves, Christ loved in his life. And we will be more and more conformed to Christ's heart. Well, a second heading, briefly. We thought of our devotional life. That's where the discipline starts. That's the training. Secondly, what about our relationships? Husband and wife. You may have an unbelieving husband or wife. <coughs> what about your children? What about those we work with? What about fellow believers? Well, surely what Paul is desiring Timothy to have here is that he would train himself and be exercised in good relationships. I've quoted that verse already. As far as it lies within us, live at peace. Do you know breakdowns of relationships should be the exception we shouldn't collect them in life. We should do as far as it lies within us all that we can to put them right. Sometimes that's not possible. Sometimes people get bitter. Sometimes people won't drop things. But in our relationships, we're to seek peace.
And surely when we do that, we will have peace and we will have a heart that's focused upon the right things. Godliness never leads to isolation. That's what monks do. There is a form of distraction that was going on in the time when Paul was writing to Timothy and it's still prevalent today. It's called asceticism, punishing the flesh, causing pain, cutting, causing pain through what we wear or what we do or what harm we cause. That will never give pleasure. That will never edify, that will never please the Lord. That's not godliness, that's not holiness, that's a distraction, that's a heresy. That's not what's true at all. No, Paul calls Timothy to exercise himself unto godliness, Christ-likeness, desires to be with the Lord's people, didn't the? The Saviour want to be with his disciples, sometimes with the twelve, sometimes just with the three. There were those intimate, close relationships with the inner core. And there was that disciple that was called the one that Jesus loved. Sometimes we have different types of relationships, some close, some even closer, but all should be there to help us exercise into godliness. If you choose your friends, sometimes we can't. They say that you can't choose your family. Well, if you can choose your friends, we're to choose those that help us to be disciplined. And those that have aspired and achieved more in the upward path than perhaps we have. Well, we notice here, that Paul speaks about we. He says in verse 10, we labour. He says, we trust. He says that all those who believe. Do you know the path of godliness and holiness is not isolated and individual. The Lord has put us in churches. He's identifying with Timothy and he's saying we on this journey upward, this journey heavenward, this journey of living in a way that's more and more pleasing to the Lord, we don't do it alone. We do it together. We both labour, verse 10. We both suffer reproach. We both trust in the living God is the sense of verse 10. This is together. We're to be a community. We're to be a called out people striving together. Well, thirdly, what about our attitude to the world? Godliness. What is godliness? Loving the things that God loves. What does the Lord say? Love not the world, nor the things of the world. There is to be a separation. I shall say more on this on Sunday morning there is two kingdoms not one kingdom there is the kingdom of darkness the kingdom of this world and then there is the kingdom of heaven and some of us have already been called and by faith we've come into the kingdom of heaven but there still remains two kingdoms we are called out ones and our attitude to 
Those who are in darkness, yes, it's to be love and compassion, but we're to be suspicious. We're to be sceptical. We're not to love the things of the world. And in promoting godliness, we're to let go. We're to take off all encumbrances. As it says in one of the epistles, we're to walk lightly through life with little baggage. Anything that could weigh us down, any encumbrance. Well, that's the attitude to the world. Fourthly, do you know one of the principles, and I mention this often, but I found it so helpful. One of the principles of godly living is integrity in everything. Integrity in words, integrity with your eyes, Integrity with your heart. Integrity means no break. Utterly consistent with what we say privately and publicly. If you would be embarrassed, if somebody heard what you were saying, what you were watching, you shouldn't be doing it. If somebody sees what's on your computer, you shouldn't be watching it. That's a lack of integrity. Integrity says up and down, sideways, consistent. Everything I say, everything I do, everything I think will be consistent and pure. That's integrity. It's the backbone for every believer. Our tongue, our eye, our heart. That's the spine that leads to bodily exercise or rather spiritual exercise, which is profitable unto all things. Well, fifthly, there is a suggestion here, and certainly within the picture of the athlete, that we are to persevere. Do you know, godliness, holiness, it's not a five-minute wonder. You can't say, I have attained, I've reached. No, no. We should always be striving, the athlete. When the athletes speak to themselves in the training camp, what do they say? They say to themselves, we've got to persevere. We've got to keep going. If we put the miles in, if we guard our nutrition, if we follow the instructions of our coach, and our coach is Christ. If we follow everything that we are instructed to do, as Timothy was instructed to do, there will be progress. There will be results. There will be gain, profit, not physical profit, but spiritual gain. As it says in verse 8, godliness gives a gain in all things. It has a promise attached to it, a promise for this life. And a promise which is to come. You see, godliness takes time. It's a direction. We don't arrive. We point ourselves in the right direction. And the fruit, the promise, the result will be both in time and in eternity. What are we to do? We're to have an attitude of perseverance in godliness. Seeking, striving. The Apostle Paul says elsewhere, chasing after 
making it our goal and rushing after it. No get-rich-quick approach. No overnight success. But continually exercising ourselves for godliness. Well, a sixth point, just two more. Well, I'm sure Paul had in mind, as he was told, telling Timothy to stir up and to encourage the church that he was, the young pastor over, put them in remembrance, stir them up. As a good minister, he was reminding them that they should have a great love for the church. Now, we've dealt with this recently in the Jude Conference. But isn't this implicit? That our spiritual exercises are not done in private. There is a saying for runners, if you want to go fast, run alone. If you want to go far, run together. And so we are to have a great love for the Lord's church. We're in this together. We can help one another. We can encourage. We can exhort. We can recommend good and godly books. Be careful. Some books you may not know what's behind the author. You may not know what their agenda is. Be careful with that. But Timothy is told to read good things. And our church can be a reading church. Our church can be an exhorting church, an encouraging church, a caring church, a labouring church. All those pictures that we've thought about before. We're to have a great love. Verse 13. Till I come, says Paul. Till I come where? To the church. Till I come, give attendance, give a hearing, give attention to those things that he lists. We're to have great love for the church. We can be such an encouragement and we can help one another and see things that perhaps could be better. And a gentle, probably private word, maybe that can be of great help. Somebody that's got far more experience than we have. Do you know I learned this once? It was painful. Can I share this experience with you? You might be going through the same. Isn't that what Paul is getting at here? And then seventhly, a point which I think is so relevant to all of us. Are we not to take an eternal view? When you look at godliness and holiness... And you consider the purity of God. God is holy. His character is the definition of godliness. How can we aspire to that? Isn't it something that's impossible? Well, it is in this life. But in the life to come, which is what's implied here, the exercises that we give ourselves to now will have a benefit in the life to come. Why? Because, you know, we'll be more in tune with heaven. We'll be able to take in its glories because we'll be used to some of them in a small way already. We'll be used to its gaze and to its focus on Christ because that's what we'll be doing here. We'll be dealing with the baggage that we once had 
which there won't be any room for in heaven. Oh yes, we will be prepared. And isn't the time to be taking an eternal view now so that we're ready, so that we consider our latter end, as it says in Deuteronomy. Consider your latter end. What is the latter end of an unbeliever? Away from God. But what is the latter end of a believer? With God forever. Isn't it time that we started to give more attention, more training, more exercise to the truth and the words that will feed our souls and those other attributes and qualities that will be of help for time and for eternity. Our spiritual exercises, our relationships with one another, our attitude to the world, integrity as our backbone for life, a desire to persevere, don't be disappointed, don't be crushed when there's some small victory that Satan has over us. No, pick yourself up, go back to the word of God, be encouraged by it and then we're to persevere and we're to remember one another and our love for the church and for his people and for the help that we can be in taking an eternal view. Whatever happens in our lives, if we pursue godliness, we will know the smile of God and we will be disciplined, disciplined as believers and we will reap great benefit and we will be the example that Paul exhorted Timothy to be and that will be great blessing and service for Christ's church. May we be disciplined believers as godly people are and desire.